AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Back on October 20th, Dr. Frank Mintlerner was on AgriTalk, and we talked about some of the misguided government initiatives around the world that are threatening agriculture and food supplies and how he is working with animal agriculture to prevent the same missteps from happening here. Now he's under attack for that. We've also got some details and some been-there perspective from another public researcher. Live from Thursday, November 3rd's day, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we will begin with the conversation with Dr. Frank Mitlerner from UC Davis. Then it's Dr. Kevin Folta from the University of Florida. And right after the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm not a doctor, handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. You are too. You are the PhD of handsome, sir. Oh, there yeah, you bro. are. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> Thanks. It's not, <laughs> not something I like to brag about, but it's there. You know? It's there, you know, and hey, if you're backing it up every day, why not? Why this not? what I do. It's what I do. <laughs> Welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us this morning. I'm Jeff. That is the handsome newsman, Mr. Hello. Davis Michelson. You bet. And we have quite the topic, quite the conversation, uh, quite the discussion that is going to happen on the show today uh, because of, of some scheduling we had the conversation with dr frank mitlerner yesterday about the there's nothing else to call it other than an attack from the new york times surprise surprise and greenpeace uh, against his work and it's uh we'll get to the details of it coming up here but as i said in the open dr frank is working with u.s animal agriculture in an effort to identify ways that greenhouse gas emissions can be reduced in a way that will help to make livestock production more sustainable, not only, it, you know, perhaps most importantly in the consumer's eyes, make uh, livestock production more sustainable. And he's now under attack for doing just that rather than, uh, allowing the misguided efforts that are underway in places like the Netherlands and uh, New Zealand. We talked about some of that yesterday with Alyssa Badger from High Ground Dairy, how some of the rules and the regulations are changing things up in New Zealand when it comes to dairy production. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a threat that is happening around the world, and if we don't take efforts to stand up to it right now, which we are doing today on AgriTalk, uh, animal agriculture will the, the threats against animal agriculture will be advanced. We're going to talk a lot about it today. Uh, looking forward to catching up with Kevin Folta as well. Let's get to the news, man. What do you got? Well, Chip, the number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits fell by 1,000 to 217,000 on the week ending October 29. That was below market forecasts, suggesting market conditions remain tight 
backing the hawkish policy signaled by the Fed this week. Continuing claims rose to 1.49 million in the weekend of October 22nd. That's the highest since March, Chip. Right, and we get the jobs data out tomorrow morning that will give us an indication of uh, of whether or not Powell is right in saying that interest rates are going to have to stay higher for a longer period of time to get the effects that the Fed is looking for. A little bit more related data here. Non-farm labor productivity in the U.S. increased less than market expectations. Output advanced 2.8%, recovering from a 1.2% fall in Q2. Hours worked rose 2.4%, easing from 2.9%. Chip, year-on-year non-farm business sector labor productivity fell by 1.4% following a 2.1% drop in the second quarter. It's it's always been a productivity question. You know, yeah, we've got plenty of people that are working, but how productive are they? Right. And that is what is going to be a real effort killer for the Fed going forward. Well, and if you see the boss, tell him I'm very productive. Very hey, your productive. butt's in the seat, man. Your know. butt is in the seat, and you are I'm, putting it out right now. Yeah, shower upper, you betcha. Well, families across the country are facing higher costs and fewer options for school meals as districts contend with rising food and labor prices and the loss of universal free pandemic meals. Many districts across the country have raised prices for school food by as much as 50 cents per meal this year as they face ingredient prices that have risen by 50 percent or more. The International Energy Agency said that Europe needs to act now to avert natural gas shortages in 2023, given the loss of Russian supplies. While Europe has filled natural gas storage to around 95% ahead of winter, uh, the International Energy Agency said 2023 holds a potential major challenge. China's 2022 natural gas consumption may post the first decline in two decades amid a struggling economy with demand this winter set to rise more modestly than in previous years, this according to state energy officials. Total net gas demand is likely to fall 1% this year in China in response to COVID restrictions and high import costs. Stonex raised its U.S. corn crop estimate and lowered its soybean crop estimate from last month. Russia's GDP fell 5% in September, according to the Ministry of Economic Development. Meanwhile, Ukraine is contending with damage to its infrastructure. Uh, this, uh, as the Kremlin says, it needs to assess whether the grain export deal was working before deciding whether to extend its participation beyond November 19. Still back and forth on the grain export deal, Chip. Yeah, yeah, going to continue that way. And here we are. We've got wheat prices just mildly higher today as it's trying to figure out what the next step is going to be. Thank you, Davis. Appreciate it, buddy. Let's bring in Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Chip. Okay, so certified Angus beef, changing up some of the carcass weight guidelines. What's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. They've increased the hot carcass weight acceptance uh, threshold to a maximum chip of 1,100 pounds per carcass. There's a couple of things going on here. Uh, Number one, it's a result of the genetics that we see in these modern cattle with bigger uh, cattle. And there's also a need, especially in the last few weeks we've seen this, a need for more premium beef. And the market's shown that. Uh, The CAB believes this will increase the acceptance of maybe 3 or 4% more cattle because of the, those large carcasses don't get kicked out. Um, so, you know, chip cow cap producers have long been progressive 
and seeking genetics to improve their pr production efficiency. And now we're seeing, you know, the, those weights last week was 890 pounds. History tells us that we've increased carcass weights about five pounds per year uh, over the last 30 years. So uh, this is just basically uh, uh, an admission of what the cattle are doing, what the carcasses right. are, are weighing, and, and the um, ability to produ produce those. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to throw too many burrs into this. But does the dairy genetic have anything to do with this? You know, the, the well, beef on dairy? You know, one, of the, one of the things I'm also hearing is that we've got taller carcasses, uh, yep. longer carcasses, and yep. they're a problem on, the, on these outdated kill floors. Uh, right. You know, the heads and tongues are dragging the floor, and those Can't have, have to that. be condemned, chipped. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, people going on here. Yeah, yeah, there's... A lot of questions and a lot of answers that we need to get before we can get to the bottom line of it. Very good, Greg. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. You bet. That's Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. Up next, Dr. Frank Mintlerner. We're going to answer the New York Times attack. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Davis Michelson is here as well. Hello. Okay, so back in the headlines, Dr. Frank Mitlerner, UC Davis professor and air quality specialist, Department of Animal Science, director of the CLEAR Center. Dr. Mitlerner is one of the globe's leading researchers in the effort to reduce greenhouse gas emissions on livestock farms and works closely with the animal ag industry to take what he is learning in his research and putting it to work on livestock farms. Dr. Mitlerner, welcome back to AgriTalk. And did I get that right? Good morning. Yes, you did get that right. Excellent. Excellent. So with that in mind, I got to ask, who funds your efforts? So the most of my research is funded by state and federal agencies. Uh, that's uh, research that's quantifying emissions. Um, but I also am funded by the industry, the agricultural industry, by the farming and ranching uh, and, and overall agricultural industry. Uh, particularly on those issues that involve 
mitigation, finding ways to reducing emissions because uh, there are hardly any public funds and the industries want to reduce their emissions. So I work with industries. Okay, so hardly any public funds for the research into reducing the emissions. So this is something that consumers are really asking for. They want to reduce GHG emissions from livestock farms. Why aren't consumers funding those efforts? Well, normally you would expect that there would be federal uh, agencies funding it or maybe state agencies. But um, when you look at the overall funding picture, uh, maybe 5 or 10% of total funding comes from any kind of government agencies, and the rest comes from private industry. Okay. And the reason for that is simply that, um, you know, animal agriculture is under the gun of reducing its impact. And so these uh, these players say, let's do it. Let's find ways to get us there. And then they go to the world's premier institutions to do the research. And, uh, and that's then published, peer-reviewed and published and put out. And um, why the public sector doesn't fund more of that, I don't know, but they just don't. All right. There seems to be a perception among the public that farmers, ranchers are climate change deniers. And if you are willing to work with them and work, you use funding from farmers and ranchers in your research, the assumption, I think, is then spread over to you that you are also a climate change denier is is. Would that be accurate? Well, I have no idea where these people are coming from because that's the last thing I am. I uh, do research on two things. The one is quantifying uh, how much of these emissions uh, are real and uh, what way of quantifying these emissions is scientifically accurate. And secondly, how to reduce those emissions. And so how anybody can say that I'm a denier is beyond me. I'm certainly right. not that. And I have to tell you this too. The critics I have don't question my signs because right. they can't. Instead, they come after me personally. Right. And the latest round has happened in the New York Times. Uh, tell us what, what the experience has been so far in, the, in this round of criticisms. So it all started with a Greenpeace journal called Unearthed. Uh, a reporter with Unearthed uh, contacted me via email and requested uh, documents about my funding and uh, certain email communication. Um, I provided everything that he asked for and then didn't hear back for, I would say, two months or so uh, until a New York Times journalist contacted me and asked for the very same documents. I was surprised because the type of documents they asked for um, are not the ones that you typically get asked for. And so it was clear to me that the Greenpeace and the New York Times piece were aligned, that the one right. uh, was initiated by the other. And so um, then I received several pages of questions from uh, both uh, this Greenpeace magazine as well as the New York Times. I answered them and uh, I was never interviewed in person. So they never picked up the phone and never talked to them. Uh, to then find out a few days ago that uh, two major pieces uh, on the New York Times side, a title page piece mm -hmm. uh, amounting to two thirds of a page in the New York Times uh, was written about not my research, not my science by and large, but by the fact that my research is partly funded by the industry. And right. so thank God I was able to uh, have a response and be able to share my response via social media 
And right. uh, I think that this New York Times reporting has been viewed very critically by people because it is what people call a ad hominem um, kind of piece going after the player, not after uh, the that, ball or the game. And Dr. So, Mittlerner, uh, when, when yeah. I saw your reaction, I thought this is so well done. What you've done now is you have backed that reporter at the New York Times into a corner. She will not quit. You know this, right? I have no idea what they will do. And um, to me, I'm a scientist. To me, it's all about science, and I will continue to do my science. And so uh, if somebody else doesn't quit, I have news for them. I won't quit either. I do my work, and I do it as good as I can. Absolutely. Absolutely. To me, it makes absolutely no sense to question the source of the funding from farmers and ranchers that are helping you to research ways to reduce GHG uh, emissions and then turning around and working with those farmers and ranchers again. Why is that an issue for the New York Times? That makes no sense to me. Well, let me, let me give you an, an analogy, okay? Let's say I were an immunologist and not an animal scientist. And let's say I were to work on some pharmaceutical, uh, let's say a vaccine or something. Then who would I work with to get a vaccine or some other pharmaceutical developed? I would, of course, have to work with the pharmaceutical industry. That is what the public would expect. That is what would happen. But in the case of animal agriculture, if there's anything um, questioned related to animal agriculture, then um, then people expect that magically funds occur and, and that researchers do the research uh, without even questioning uh, where where funding comes from. It is a reality that the majority of mitigation research, meaning research that is aimed at reducing emissions from livestock and agriculture overall, are not publicly funded. They are privately funded. And yes. in general, 60%, 6-0 of all agricultural funding is privately funded. And uh, the reason is that there is just, uh, you know, there are just not public funds available. So um, if people then want to critique you, and they can't critique your research, then the only thing that's left is uh, what we're discussing here, which is funding. What and, motivates, uh, Dr. Frank, we've talked about this before, but what motivates your research? Where does where does the will to continue it come from? Look, farmers produce all the food we eat every day. That sounds like a, like a very general statement, and it is, but it's true. I mean, we are as much relying on the farming sector for food as we are on the health sector for keeping us healthy. Um, and people take it for granted. I don't take it for granted. I feel that we owe it to our farming sector to help it be as sustainable as it can be, particularly in times when they are severely under the gun. And it is my job as an animal scientist to work with the animal agricultural sector. This is not some kind of a weird thing to do. This is my job. You can read it in my job description that this is my job to work with industry to minimize its environmental footprint. Um, it's in my job description. That's what I'm supposed to do. But it's also a very firm part of my ethical beliefs. I will work with agriculture to make it the most sustainable industry it can be. Okay, excellent. I'm going to switch gears uh, just to touch on you. Clarity of Leadership for Environmental Awareness and Research. CLEAR is the acronym. What is the CLEAR Center? Yeah, you know, two years ago, 
um, people ask me uh, whether or not I can expand the type of not just research, but also extension. And of course, I am a professor and extension specialist. And so I felt, yes, I would like to, but I can't do this alone. And so I established here at the University of California in Davis, a center, uh, and hired several folks. Uh, we are not 20, 30, 40, 50 folks. We are two plus myself. And um, But we are so effective that we are worth a two-thirds th two of a, a page in the New York Times. They feel that we are representing um, you know, animal agriculture overall. Um, to me, it is kind of an honor of being viewed that way uh, because uh, we definitely wow. uh, box about above our, our weight class, but it's also a joke that um, that we are antagonized against the way we are. Do you take private support for the Clear Center? Yes, absolutely. How do the we majority do that? Of the, fund, the majority of the funding for the Clear Center comes from agriculture, yes. Excellent. Dr. Frank, keep fighting the good fight, sir. We appreciate you and what you do very much. Please believe that and understand that. Thank you. I do. All right. That is Dr. Frank Mitlerner, UC Davis professor. We'll be back with more AgriTalk here in a moment. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, a uh, little bit of strength in the wheat market. There's been a lot of volatility in that market this week. What's going on today? Yeah, well, we traded sharply lower overnight on follow-through, but uh, we got to daytime trade here and, and starting to uh, firm up and, and showing some pretty uh, solid signs of uh, strength here, especially in the HRW market. So uh, more concerns on the, the drought side of things and the crop side. Uh, you know, the drought monitor was out again this morning and, and reminded us of just how poor conditions are, especially in top producer Kansas, where uh, the drought continues to just intensify there. So uh, that's sparked a little bit of buyer interest. Now, interestingly enough, th this is all coming in the face of an extreme move up in the uh, the U.S. dollar index, which is uh, almost 1,300 points higher at the yeah. moment. Uh, so uh, to see wheat do that uh, in the face of that uh, dollar strength is pretty impressive. Sure is. Sure is. Uh, bean market's under some pressure today. What's happening there? Yeah, well, uh, meal is weaker as well, and that's okay. helping to pull down the soybean market. Uh, so it, it's retreated, uh, it pulled back more than, than what it gained yesterday, the beans have. And, and uh, corn is weaker as well, and, and a large, lot of the uh, influence on the corn market is that strong dollar. Okay. Not a lot of net movement in the livestock markets at this point. What's the feature? 
Yeah, pretty quiet, to be honest with you. Uh, still waiting on active cash cattle trade to develop in the uh, southern plains and, and uh, the central Midwest. And, and the trade we've seen so far has been about a dollar higher. So we do anticipate that the uh, the trade will eventually firm up and be stronger for the week. But it, it's going to take some time, it looks like. So quiet trade there. Hogs, uh, front end of that market, are, are starting to firm up a little bit, uh, a little bit of price pressure in the back end of the market. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. We're one minute away from a conversation with Kevin Fulta. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us for an important discussion this morning. Uh, just wrapped up uh, that conversation with Dr. Frank Mintlerner from the from UC Davis. And joining us now is Dr. Kevin Fulta, University of Florida, where he is a professor in horticultural sciences. He is also the host of the very popular Talking Biotech podcast. Kevin, it has been too long since we have talked. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Oh, thank you. I think about you all the time. I'm always glad to talk to you. I'm glad, glad that you are here, especially now, because um, we, we, you know what? First things first, I know that this may not be all that important to you, but congratulations on your 20th anniversary of work there at the University of Florida. <laughs> That's an important milestone. It, the funny part is, is it came and went and I didn't even notice it. It's all, as I mentioned in that tweet, it's all about what you achieve in that time more than the time you do it. And it's been a good ride. You know, and I think it says something about the University of Florida and their their support for you and your efforts as well, doesn't it? In general, yes. They, yeah. Especially when I went under the same bus that uh, Dr. Mitlerner went under um, not that long ago. They were very supportive in the beginning. Yep. Very good. Very good. Okay. Uh, the conversation that I just had with Dr. Mitlerner, I'm glad to hear that he is still very much has his thought processes aligned his think he's thinking clearly even when it, you know it's not he said it he it was a personal attack it was an attack on his life's work only because it doesn't fit the narrative of greenpeace and the new york times you've been there you've had to deal with a very very similar attack uh remind listeners how all of that unfolded Oh, Chip, the parallels are absolutely uncanny and reveals a uh, very coordinated. And, I, you know, these days you talk about conspiracy. People think you have a, a tinfoil hat on. But this is conspiratorial. Uh, back when I was under the microscope, I was talking about genetic engineering and the risks and benefits of crops that are uh, used uh, on farm. And I had a group called U.S. Right to Know request all my emails. No big deal. We turn those over. It's transparency. They selectively edited, they removed words, removed sentences, handed them to a New York Times reporter who then at the last second, just like with Dr. Mittler, calls me and says, I want your documents. And then uh, he publishes a piece that was incredibly slanted, interviewed me, left out, uh, changed my words uh, to, to reverse the meaning and made me look like I was some sort of bad guy who was lobbying in exchange for grants which is which is not what I do. And it was exactly the same thing that happened with Dr. Mitlerner, which just gave me chills to see it happen to him. Right, 
Right. What do you do when it comes to biotech and and uh, the 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 distribution of scientific evidence in in support of biotech? Well, we it's just like anything. It has its strengths and its weaknesses and its risks and benefits. And I talk about all those things equally. We know that there have been profound benefits for farmers, which is why they use them and uh, use genetically engineered crops. The best stuff is yet to come. We're on the edge of a tremendous revolution. And we know that there are certain things like glyphosate that become less effective as we see resistance to it from weeds like Palmer and things like that. And so we know the pluses and minuses. And overall, they've been a tremendous benefit. Yet there are many people who feel that is a a message that must not get out and they need to attack the messenger. Right. Okay. So the New York Times efforts to cancel your work, how often did they attack the science that that you produced versus the funding of your research and the publication of your scientific observations? Zero. They had nothing to say about my research because my research is on on light and how grows how plants respond to it and how, what makes a strawberry taste good. What they went after was a twenty five thousand dollar donation to my university that was planned to be used to hold a conference and to defray my costs with teaching scientists and farmers how to better connect with the public around the issue of genetic engineering. It wasn't even spent. Not a dime of it was spent. Yet they looked upon that donation as a special grant that was something that I got in exchange for lobbying in Washington, D.C., which I never did. Right. So your encounter with the New York Times, it, I assume that it's still ongoing, but it ended up in court. How did that resolve? Well, it was dismissed by the judge in a federal court uh, from a bench, from the bench, basically said that there wasn't, uh, that reporters have some latitude to make some mistakes. And that uh, that was the main reason they let it go. If I would have had a jury on that after legal discovery, seeing how the reporter's notes didn't match what was printed, and that this activist group had to convince that reporter to do the piece, which the editor said was a hit piece and wouldn't run. Then he went back and incorporated some folks from uh, uh, who are for uh, the organic industry who are paid by industry and basically said, OK, there's a bunch of skunks on both sides and made it. But the main thing focused on me and I dragged that anchor to this day. Yeah, I was I was just going to ask you, you call it an anchor. I was going to call it a hangover in this conversation, but it's. <laughs> It's impact. It's 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 impacted your professional life and it's had an impact on your personal life as well, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. It, it was it. And this is the problem is that in the old days, the New York Times came on Sunday morning. You read it. And then that night it lined the birdcage on the Internet. Now, this stays with you forever. And anytime I engage a conversation about covid, about climate, about vaccination, about agriculture, somebody's there to say, you can't believe a word this guy says. Here's this article that says he's a scumbag. And so it means I got to dial it up even more. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to have this thing in the back pocket of the bad guys who don't who want to cancel me and shut me up always. Mm-hmm. OK. It, what do you what do you make of Dr. Mitt Lerner's situation? 
it's extremely parallel. He's an outstanding scientist. He's a recognized individual who is the expert in his area of employing strategies to mitigate the effects of greenhouse gases from animal agriculture. He is the go-to guy, and he's been recognized with the highest awards in, in the area. And uh, and this is why he was targeted. The problem is, is that he'll walk through this and he'll always continue to be excellent. He'll do his work and he'll be outstanding, but he'll always have this uh, as New York Times, highly credible source for many people that someone will be able to say, you can't believe him. He's an industry shill and right. it'll be used over and over again until there's no more Internet. Right. OK, so what is at risk? It. Kevin, listen, I am all about questioning the standard operating procedure out there. That's good practice, and it's good to be curious about things like where Dr. Folta gets his funding. I, I think that's important. Um, but after hearing the facts, if I then decide to twist the truth and ignore the science because it doesn't fit the story that I want to tell, that's when risk enters the situation so. What's at risk if attacks like this by Greenpeace and the New York Times just go unchecked? They break the trust of the people who need to be trusted. As academic scientists, we call the balls balls and the strike strikes. We don't have favorites in industry. We don't have uh, our job is to be the mediator. We're the ones who are connecting with the farmers. We're telling the truth to the public. We're the ones who do the research and interpret the research. We need to be trusted. And when you start to take apart trust in the, the government hired people who in, are supposed to engender that trust, you see what happens with COVID. We, it falls apart. The wheels come off. Agriculture will suffer because its most trusted allies are not trusted by the public. And when you look around the world at some of the misguided efforts that are happening, and I'm going to you know, ask you to look away from your area of expertise to Dr. Mittlerner's area, but the efforts that are focused on animal agriculture around the world, what, what Frank is trying to do is prevent those missteps from happening here in the United States. It, I'm reading that. I've got the right take on that, don't I? Absolutely. And, and, and animal agriculture is under intense attack and under intense scrutiny. And when we take steps to make it more sustainable, to try to fix the edges that people complain about the most, now that's being looked at as uh, some sort of industry uh, advocacy. When sure, the industry wants the same thing that Dr. Mittlerner, you and I want. We want better environmental standards. We want uh, we want to achieve those better endpoints. It's all good. We want the same thing. And, and animal rights I would folks argue, just get in the way. I would argue that the reporters at the New York Times also want less greenhouse gas emission from, from agriculture <laughs> of all. But the problem is there's an animal involved in this one. Absolutely. So they want to Not end it completely. Well, all well, the folks who are aligned against animal agriculture, they certainly are. They 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 do this kind of thing. Yeah. And the problem with that is that the well, the good part is the average person finds it extremely unsavory that they would that they would dump soup on a picture in, in an art gallery yeah. for animal agriculture. Right. They're horrible with their messaging. And that's why it's great that you have him on, have Dr. Mittlerner on, have me on, because we need to get everybody fired up and illustrating how corrupt these movements are when they're attacking public scientists. 
boy, I hope for the next time that we talk, we are talking about uh, uh, successes in telling agriculture story and what they are, what the industry is doing to push us down the sustainability path rather than talking about the battles. But, Kevin, thank you so much for making time for us again. We appreciate it. We're going to talk more often, okay? You bet. Thank you very much, Chip. See you later. All right. Appreciate you, man. That is Dr. Kevin Folta, University of Florida. And by the way, full disclosure here, 2016 Pro Farmer Ag Person of the Year, something that I supported wholeheartedly. Davis and I will be right back to wrap up today's AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. We don't make the news, we render it. AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. This is Davis Michelson here coming to you. Uh, lots to talk about to wrap up today's show with Chip Flory, but first let's get to today's installment of Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Chip, we're going to head down to southwest Kansas, Oklahoma panhandle sort of cool. zone there, where a farmer writes, two things hurt irrigated corn more than anything this year, heavy tillage and low water. The decent water and strip-till acres seem to have withstood the heat a lot better. Not last year's yields but not much off of APH either. That's actual production history. Yields in the Fields brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic. Um, moving on. Chip. Yes. Yes, sir. Um, great conversations, important conversations with two respected, responsible, learned scientists, doctors, no less. Yes. Uh, yeah, of course. Which means they've, you know, they've had a fair amount of education. <laughs> you know, yeah. these uh, these are no slouches either. Either they've one had, of them. They've had to prove something along the way to get the PhD. That's right. Dr. Frank Mitlerner and Kevin Fulta, um, parallel stories. Kevin used the word parallel in in reference to their struggles with the media, the New York Times in particular, who yep. have rather than disputing their science, basically just said, oh, these guys are idiots. You can't trust them. Right. Um, threatening Can't their careers, the their credibility. Um, 
I want to bring you something from the nationalreview.com, National Review Online, an article from October 4 of this year by a Brittany Bernstein titled, UN Communications Official Touts Google Search Partnership, quote, We Own the Science. Bernstein writes, the United Nations Undersecretary General for Global Communications said last week that the UN has partnered with several big tech companies to combat disinformation on COVID-19 and climate change because, quote, here's the quote, we own the science and we think the world should know it. This was speaking at the World Economic Forum's Sustainable Development Impact Meetings. Um, here, just this next paragraph, quote, Fleming said, we partnered with Google. For example, if you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. You won't get Dr. Frank Mitlerner's right. research. You won't get Kevin Folta's research. You will get the information that the UN has said you can have because, right. quote unquote, they own the science. Chip, that's right. not how science works at all. That's not, not how science all. works at all. Science is owned by the public. And the efforts of public universities like UC Davis, like the University of Florida, to research efforts to mitigate greenhouse gas emissions, to advance the use of technologies like uh, genetic enhancement in, in crops, to better to, to, to better agriculture to is is so important and if any step is taken to stifle the flow of that information from public universities to farmers that can use the information to become, and I know that people are going to roll your eyes when I say this, to become more sustainable. That is a phrase, that is a word that has taken on a, that that has evolved, that has evolved. Because listen, I know what a lot of a, a lot of us believe. Agriculture as it is is sustainable. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be a fourth generation, fifth generation, sixth generation operation. I understand that. But the word sustainability has evolved in the public's eye. And the efforts of people like Dr. Folta, like Dr. Mitlerner, to to, to assist agriculture in keeping up with that evolution and to improve what we're doing out there is so important to the life of uh, listen farmers farmers understand that it's a business but it's a business that they do to maintain the lifestyle that they choose this is a threat to the lifestyle that farmers have chosen and it, it needs is. to it needs it needs to be uh addressed head on well yeah. and was it last week we last had we've had Mitlerner on a couple of times just October recently October 20th October 20 um yep. and he made he made a great comment that I don't think gets repeated nearly enough he's exactly right you look at Los Angeles where they've got 14 lanes of traffic yeah. And they're worried about us. 
right. polluting the environment and wrecking right. the planet because of global warming. Yep. Um, and the other yeah. thing that I would add here is if you if you broaden just a little bit, and maybe this gets too broad. Fortunately, we're almost out of time. Um, what they're trying to do is own the truth. They yeah. they want to own the truth. And if you look around at us, it's always, well, this is my truth. This is your truth. This is my truth. This is your truth. There is a truth. That's Science right. can find the truth. It just as needs I've to be. Said, yeah. As I've said many times, just because you don't like the answer doesn't mean it's wrong. Yep. And they don't like this answer because Dr. Mittlerner is finding a way to accomplish the goals of society while maintaining animal agriculture. Those that are pursuing this, their goal is to end animal agriculture. We have to understand that. Mittlerner is working to maintain animal agriculture while meeting the climate change goals that society have set. Food comes from farmers. That is from Dr. Mittlerner. He said, people take that from granted. I do not take that for granted. I don't take that for granted either. And no one should take it for granted. And each and every challenge that comes up to the source of an abundant, safe, and affordable food supply should be met head on. And that's what we're doing today. Thank you so much for listening today. Really appreciate it. We're going to talk markets this afternoon. Andrew Jackson from Producers Hedge tomorrow morning. It's a free-for-all. Haney's back, and we smire.